This is, you know what? Do you know what medieval times is where the knights like joust each yeah. other? Yeah, Renaissance fair. It was like that, but Dolly Parton themed. No, it's like the restaurant medieval times you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, you it's... were asking about Dolly Parton and you just straight dumped your pants. Uh, he didn't dump <laughs> his pants. He had a dump in the toilet. It was just a terrible experience. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. I thought he shit himself. I was also like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. Are we just like yeah. bullying you right now? Hey, yeah, yeah. No, this is online bull- cyberbullying. Um, hey, which one of y'all are getting married? I'm getting married. Jack? Oh, congrats. Yeah, congrats, man. I'm getting married in five days. So when this comes out, I'll, I'll be married. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of cool, right? Um, <laughs> you don't look like you need our approval. <laughs> no. Hey, you know it's right when it's right. It's definitely right. Yeah, how long have you guys been dating? We've been dating for 10 years. Oh, really? Are you yeah. serious? 10 oh, years. No, good for you, man. Isn't That's that a cool? fucking decade. That's a decade. Jesus Christ. When we met, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, here she is. I'm saying only bad things about you. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Yo. We want to meet you. Uh, she just walked away with the dog. Oh, yeah, you have headphones on. Well, well, at least bring the dog back. Yeah, yeah so uh, who are you guys? That's a good question. Um, we're either Oregon Space Trail Doom or Oregon Space Trail Jazz. I like that you guys have a separate name for when you do different gigs that are like not rock oriented. Yeah. Yeah. How did that, how did that come about? It was like a slight joke at first. And then it was like, honestly, like let's just book underneath this. It was kind of, I I feel like more than a slight joke. I feel like it was definitely just like, but now we're Oregon space trail jazz. And then it just kind of came out that way. And it was funny because the first time we ever did it, we had vocals. And then ever since then, we never even touched them other than like <laughs> Brian being like, hey, we're here. All right, we're leaving now. Yeah. Thanks for coming to this art gallery opening. <laughs> exactly. Um, how did you guys meet? Um, Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that it worked out for you guys. No, Norby and I, we went to high school together. Um, and, uh, we kind of separated ways, you know, parted ways rather, um, in high school, but then re- later reconnected, uh, through our love for music and, um, we just would jam. And then, uh, Tony kind of came along, um, just as a friend at first, but then when his last band kind of dissolved, uh, we swept him off his feet. And then, uh, meanwhile, um, Tony was recording a side project with Nick and Mario, actually. And uh, Mario had a um, fond appreciation towards us. And when he shared that with Tony, um, Tony then related to us. And we're like, well, hey, bring him on board. And it's like, shit, we need a bass player. Tony's like, ah, I could ask the Nick dude. <laughs> and the funny part about that, too, was Nolan was playing bass at the time. And a band I was playing in currently, we had played a gig with them when they were still just a three-piece and uh nolan he, uh, he messaged me on facebook and was like yo do you want to play bass in oregon space trail 
And I was like really put off because I was like, are you finding your own replacement right now? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, no, I play guitar. And he's like, yeah, I don't play guitar now. I never yeah. looked back. And then he showed up to rehearsal. I was like, oh, fuck. Yo, I just got kicked out of this band. You want to take my place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, damn, those dudes must not like you. They're making you find your own replacement. But uh, no, yeah, it's been great. I literally showed up and walked out. Mario was there. He knows. I walked out of that. I was just like, do I have the job, guys? You know? Oh, like, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, we knew within the first <laughs> half an hour. All right. I want to tell my side of the story because I think the recollections are so fucking different it's so funny because you guys are like wrong what'd you say saying that i'm wrong no i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying for me how i ended up playing with you guys i was just a huge fucking dork and you guys are just like yeah mario was just like playing with these people i saw you guys at the beachland and i was stoned off my ass and i was like I like walked up to Ryan afterward and was like, dude, you guys are so good. Can I play? Like, I want to play like second guitar in your band. Like, you guys are so sick. And he was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, who the, what the fuck get is the going fuck. on? Get the fuck out of here. And then, wait, no. And then it gets better. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and then I was just like, whatever. And I left. And, uh, and then I remember we were at someone's house. Five. What? Clyde's? Not Clyde's house. We were at like a party. It was someone's house. Not Cobra's. No, I don't fucking know. We were at someone's house and everyone was drinking and I was wasted. And I like walked up to Ryan and I was like, dude, I'm serious. I want to play in your fucking band. And I was like, take my phone number. And I like made made him like put my phone number in his phone. And I was like drunk as shit. And then... It was like a couple weeks after that I played with Tony and he was like, oh, like you like organ. And I was like, yeah, I told Ryan, I want to play in your band. I got too drunk and I put my number in his phone like a fucking fool. And he's like, oh, well, I'll talk to him. And then like the next day I got a text from you and it was like, hey, you want to jam? And I was like, yes. <laughs> you make it sound like if they didn't have you in their band, it was going to be like a harassment campaign. Yeah. 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 We definitely felt a little pressure. <laughs> I was I, like, if you guys don't if you guys don't put me in the band, I'm gonna do something obscene. I don't know. No, but see, my whole experience was like I was just meeting you at the time. So it was just like yeah. oh, Mario's in this thing with Clyde. I'm like, oh word, Mario's over here too. Great. Yeah. I love Mario. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it was great having you, Mario. I mean, you know, I, I always forget that you're a drummer at the, at the end of the day. And I always forget how amazingly talented you are at the drums. It's, and you're just so good. And, like, you know, looking back on it, uh, the coolest thing right now, like, you know, where we're at, you know, as a band, god damn, if, like, you and Tony just did two, two oh, drums, yeah. you know, right? Because uh, you guys did that. You guys, you know, proved that it was possible. Yeah. Um, however, I fucking, I'm a huge fan of Alpha Buddha. And I fucking love y'all. Those videos. Yeah. I know, Jack, you're an incredible guitar player. Um, and I like what you do, like with your lessons and stuff. You know, I always want to. Oh, the thank you. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, man. They're interesting. I don't take compliments well. And I. It's okay. <laughs> we're, we're, I feel like we're all the same. Yeah. It's just kind of like the musician thing. It's just like, oh, you're so good. Like, no. I know. No, no, I suck. No, I, I'm trash, man. You should hear who I listen to. 
<laughs> Those guys are great. Yeah. I feel like usually at shows, I don't, people don't like come up to me afterwards and say anything to me because I think they just assume I'm like a, a detached sociopath. They're not yeah. wrong, but they just yeah. assume that before they meet me. And then when you guys played a show with Hydrone at that house last April 19th, Regarding yeah, that. yeah, that's when I met you. Yeah, that's when I met you guys. Everybody at that show was like, "Oh, hey, it's you. We love you." And everybody was super nice to me. And I was like, "Oh, this is cool. It's a good time. I should yeah. go out more often." I'm loved, dude. As a bass player, I just get hit with like the 55-year-old dads who happen to be at the show. Bass <laughs> player, man. Boy, man, I used to go see fucking Grand Funk Railroad back when they used to play over at the VFW on. And, oh, boy, yeah. and I had heard bass like that since Geo Win. It's just like, oh, <laughs> thanks, dude. The, the only person that gets worthwhile com- or, uh, uh, compliments within our it's band is Tony. Right here, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they range from my grandma to my girlfriend. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just the way it is. I never get any compliments. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think people. You know, don't assume that I'm just a really, really nice guy. And I get but, I get unsolicited advice, like a lot of unsolicited advice from people. Really? Oh yeah. Like you got, yeah. I had yeah, somebody I come up to me once and be like, You know what your problem is, is your songs are so short. You need to tell journeys with these songs. These songs need to be ten minutes long. You need to play musical operas. And I was like, I don't remember asking you a fucking thing. <laughs> Dude, we, we actually, we were playing Columbus the one time. And yes. so he come up to Cobra and he was like, yo, that song Into the Wood, I love it. Like, oh, it's so good. But you know who guys, it is. If you guys just changed the hook, it would be so much better. We're like, yo, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like, it's like, come on, what do you have? Uh, you get, uh, Dude, <laughs> I love that song, but you got to change like half it's of it. Like, yeah, take it down, re-record it, re-release it. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? That exact same thing. Take the song down, re-record it, redo the chorus and verse and bridge. Just drop a quick grand on the session. Like, <laughs> It'll be great. It was like so idealistic to him. I think people think it's really easy to just like redo a song. So they're like, oh, yeah, do that better. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. This was great, but it wasn't like great. <laughs> it, was, it was mediocre. Yeah. It's like, yo, fuck you and your little microaggressions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, can I get a t shirt, dude? Like, yeah. you guys are awesome. You're my favorite band. <laughs> but really, that one song, you know, it's just, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that bass playing reminds me of back in the day when I would see Phil Lesh and Grand Funk yeah, Railroad right, right. down at the stadium. Yeah, you yeah. we were all floating upstream, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Long- my favorite, yeah. my favorite thing about that situation was after the show, <laughs> Ryan was like, "Yeah, this thing happened. It was really weird." He's like, "Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's no big deal." But then he just like kept talking about it. He was just like, it's fine, like whatever. Just, but like who the fuck just, says that? Yeah. Hey man, 
Done. You know what? Dude, fuck you guys. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been fucking annoyed as hell too. I wouldn't have stopped talking about it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, if I if I had heard it like to my ears, I would been like, "Oh, the door slam." I heard. It, I, did he leave, or is he still in the room on the others? <laughs> did oh. technically leave. Oh, I man. did. I left for but a moment. Sorry, I just had to cool down. Yeah, okay. you have to cool down. Welcome back. Yeah, dude, I'm chill as fuck. I never have to cool down, man. I'm chilling. I'm just... I want to know uh, how you guys are doing in COVID. You guys seem like one of the few bands that's actually like doing really well during COVID. We're always. And good. I feel like, well, I feel like Cleveland also has a lot more uh, just shit going on right now than Columbus does. There's a lot more like people stepping up to the plate and being like, let's fucking make this happen in whatever way we can. No. And you guys seem to be involved with a lot of those things. At, at first we were really trying to just like maintain the whole, like, yo, we're not going to bring people together. We're not going to like try and do like these big gatherings, blah, 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 because I mean, we would play shows and people would be like shoulder to shoulder like that. Bang, don't fly yeah. Right, you know, like that's just the exact opposite of what anyone wants right now. And uh, so we were focusing primarily on putting out content online. And I feel like uh, we did that kind of successfully because we had some backlog material. And then it was like, all right, well, now here's a good time to drop this EP in this video for like um, James from the Sun is what I'm referring to there. And then we had, uh, Nolan had this phenomenal idea to do a benefit for venues um, with the Winchester and the Happy Dog. And that's when we did like that whole like live video thing. And that just turned out like so, so well. We had like such a phenomenal crew together on that that like that was just motivational in itself to like where we just like brought it all out. Like we had two like Connor and what was his name Matt, mm-hmm. who were just like the best. Like they were just the easiest dudes to work with, like like film wise. And then Ben Billius, the dude who runs with um, Sound at the Winchester, did all the live engineering, and I ended up like mixing it all. But like just being in the like the building when we were all doing it, it was just like, yo, y'all made this so easy on us that it's like kind of hard for this not to be cool. And then going forward from there, it was kind of just like dipping our toes in the water of just like, can we play a show? Like, can we book something? We had like three or four gigs that we had booked um, that ended up getting canceled (laughs) because of COVID stipulations and stuff like that. And then I ended up playing like a couple gigs with Ohio Civil Power and I actually got to see like the front end of like, a COVID gig, you know? And I was like, okay, this is feasible, you know? Like, there's people spaced out, everyone's seated. Like, it's still not, like, it doesn't feel scamped in a way, you know, where you're just, like, feels like you're playing in, like, a tiny room, like, a big room, just small amounts of people. And uh, once I saw that, I kind of felt a little more more motivated to do stuff, like, booking the tomb. And then as soon as we started going with it, it went, and we haven't had any problems with uh, the past, like, I think we played, like, four or five gigs now since everything shut down and everything's just gone so incredibly smooth and yeah heard nothing negative come from it and i just yeah cleveland's that de- and cleveland's definitely ahead of the curve when it comes to like people booking shows and stuff like that and uh i, I feel like we're just super fortunate to just yeah. be geographically located here because we've heard stories from our friends in like nashville where like people are getting like straight like blacklisted for even trying to play a show because it's all like very business yeah. and just like, yo, if, if you're getting paid, like, and I'm not getting paid, then 
no, like you're not getting paid and everyone just kind of like shuns everyone, which I, I mean, like I understand, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, so if you're putting up DIY shit, like and you're just making music to make music, like that's cool. But yeah, a lot of the stuff we've done is tit based too. Yeah. Nashville has that street where the like country people play kind of like facing inwards, but it's just like that one street, which just feels like the country music red light district. Yeah, it's like the country. It's like, yeah, that yeah. was the darkest thing I think I've ever seen. Everybody's <laughs> playing basically the same, like five songs, just like you can just like hop from bar to bar to bar. Mm-hmm. And then once you leave like literally that like hundred yard street, Nashville is like one of the tightest cities in America. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah I, I, I love Nashville. Like, you know, it's Broadway yeah. is not cool. Uh, obviously, that's the touristy uh, area. Um, but there is a scene. And um, I think it's actually uh, pretty similar to the one that we have here in Cleveland. Um, but uh, just a little more diverse, you know, just by default. Yeah. Bigger city. It's just one of those places that has like that magnetic pull of just like, if you want to be successful in music, you got to be here. Yeah. Like I don't know. I feel like. Maybe this is like a, what's the word? I'm like. Uh, Stupid. Yeah, I'm stupid as fuck. Um, Also, but um, I can't think of the fucking word, but like just having been in Cleveland, I'm more like prone to say this, but like knowing a lot of people playing music in Cleveland, it seems like there's a lot of very, very cool stuff happening in Cleveland. Like, and I think after moving to Columbus, it seems like, the Cleveland scene, when I think about the scene here compared to there, um, it's a lot more, at least what you guys are a part of and what I remember being a part of is a lot more of a community than here. I think here in Columbus, there's a lot more like Financial pockets. institutions. What's up? Financial institutions, insurance companies. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, like, you know, like Cleveland, we have like about like 400,000 people. I think y'all have like 679 to 700. Yeah thousand people so like right there like you know like you are a bigger city you're you're the capital of ohio yeah Uh, i think i think what i was getting at is i think cleveland has like is better in a way what i'm getting at is that you know cleveland's the butthole of america (laughs) truthfully like you know people don't really it's like you know cleveland let them do whatever they want you know fuck they'll all you know but i mean obviously that's not the realistic you know like or a valid point but um, you know, just talking to Nolan, who, you know, has talked to you, Mario, about even those drive-in uh, concerts and whatnot, you know, we could totally get away with that over here. Yeah. And you are going to get away with that on Sunday, yeah. which we're going to sneak into. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I'm stoked to see you guys. We got a, I don't want to talk about me too much on this, but we're playing some new music with a new drummer and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I'm so stoked. Like, yeah. Oh man. Like I love, like, I can say through and through, it's absolute fucking love hydro. Yeah. Like that's my, that's my Apple logo on my laptop that we're using. <laughs> now is those holographic stickers, which are the coolest stickers any band has ever made. <laughs> so cool, dude. Like yeah. I was, when you handed me those, I was like, I, like, I feel like I definitely have to pay this right now. But yeah. I think, yeah. I think Columbus is a forgotten about city. You really think so? I thought it was kind of reigniting. I think it is in the sense that it's like the coolest like the place. North. Yeah, it's, it just seems like where kids from Ohio feel like they should move to. Uh-huh. But when I was moving to Columbus, 
it was like I was moving to like people had no idea where I was moving. They were like, "What do you? What is Colorado?" Like they just kept trying to correct me. Yeah, it's like Colorado. Where about? I feel like I was moving from New Jersey. Oh, sorry. So when I was moving from New Jersey, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, 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 Cleveland, Cleveland, Cincinnati, yeah, 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 yeah." And I was like, "No, Columbus. You know where Ohio State is?" And they're like, "Ohio's a big state. I don't know what you're talking about." You know, the capital of Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would still say is Cleveland. Is that right? No. No. No, it's, it's Columbus. Hmm. Doesn't feel like it. It's an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like maybe because of what Columbus is and like the short north shit and like the just classic like very like hip bars and restaurants and like you walk down the street and it's like a cookie cutter like what should a hip city area look like and like art galleries full of like white people that make shitty art Um, and I feel like as you import like the money and the the apartments and the bullshit, like some of the culture just drains out. And I feel like it's not that it doesn't exist here. I feel like it's just like easy. It's easily like overshadowed. I feel like in Cleveland, it's a lot more from what I remember. I mean, the the bullshit's there too, but like, it just seems like there's a lot more community and connectedness amongst like the, the underground or like the, like the real, like culture, like the the shit that's actually cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> How do y'all feel about Otherworld? Have you been there? No. Yeah, man. I've never even heard of it. Really? No, it's it, Otherworld. Yeah, could, Mario, can you explain? Is that more, you've been to Ingenuity Fest, right? Uh, no, I haven't. Not in Cleveland. I don't no. think so. Or maybe I did. I don't know. I think I was maybe there one year to see you guys. Inside this big ass like warehouse commie like compound. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe I just like know about it. I don't think I've actually gone, but Otherworld is, um, I don't know. I actually don't know what the public perception is of Otherworld from the outside. Cause I know a lot of people connected to it and I know a lot of like artists that were a part of making it happen. Uh-huh. Um, is that a, a lot of specific thing? Yeah. They don't have artists from other cities coming. Uh, they might. I don't know. Um, I just know like a handful of people that started it, um, cool. and they are a part of this like I don't know group of like early thirties age musician artist people that have kind of like migrated of my inner circle. Like I know of them and I know them through other people. I don't know a lot of them personally, but people that are involved with like the Wexner Center for the Arts, like more like official art capacity kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, just as a matter of like being in the art scene for long enough. At a certain point, I feel like when you're in your 30s and you're still doing that shit, like at early 20s, there's like a lot of people doing that and it just kind of like get weeded out over time. And then if you're still doing it in your 30s, it's like, okay, (laughs) people start seeking you out for stuff. But um, I think it's just a group of people that were like serious about creating some kind of experience. I don't know. I know there was a guy that Misfit Manor um, had like a show outside and the guy that did all like the lighting and the programming at Otherworld like came and set up like a light thing at Misfit Manor. 
I remember that. Like, that was amazing. Yeah, but it was like it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum of like art and music in Columbus, which I thought was really cool. But Joey Shannon from Molarilla broke his foot in this book manner. That sounds really correct. Yeah, with he, the uh, Molarilla. No, he was playing with the Bakers at the time, and he. Uh, oh, I don't know about the, that. He was at like the front. He was at like the front porch. Hey, this was like three, four years ago. Okay. Like the front porch. And like doing like he was doing like a front flip from like this front porch area into like these bushes and he had done it successfully like three times and then his older brother's girlfriend at the time it was like standing by and he was like yo film this shit like i've done this like so many times <laughs> and then she's filming it and he flips and he just fucking breaks his foot and just like oh well no gigs for a month <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna i'm gonna need to see that fucking drummer <laughs> When you said he broke his foot at Misfit Manor, I was expecting something about falling through like a stair or the porch collapsing or something. No, just crazy jackassery. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of love Misfit Manor. I like that's kind of where I want to play again. Like once shows start opening up, that's like just because that's where Mario and I played our first Columbus show. (laughs) Yeah, so it it holds a special place in my heart. It's dead forever. How long y'all been playing now? Like not even a year. No, fuck you. We've been playing for almost two years. Oh shit, and have we? Yeah, we met in like November of 2018. Well, okay, so like two years now, I guess. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> not even a year. <laughs> it would have been you like two months, jackass. three months. What is time, Mario? What is time? Yeah, it's a mirror. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us about that. What do you guys have coming out soon? A new song called Time is a Mirror. It was written by Norby and I. Um, and uh, it was, uh, it's interesting. He, he like, he basically, uh, for this next album, you know, a lot of them, like, are, were collabs between, like, you know, either the three of us or no, just Norby and I, or, like, you know, we're just all writing a tune or something. We're just it's much arranging it together. Yeah, it's much more communal, but... Um, this one in particular is interesting because it's definitely got like this chill, um, laid back, almost um, yes. yeah, yeah, meets like worldly music, um, and uh, I don't know. I I think it's a pretty damn good one, honestly. The mix um, that you know we have for all these songs are just incredible, and we definitely spent a pretty penny on it. Yeah, David Allen Shaw, mm-hmm. that motherfucker knows how to work for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what's up with that? Who is that? How'd you get connected to him? Dave Shaw is a guy, he was working at a place um, called Somewhere Recording, which actually just sold because um, they're developing a new studio out in Pengsville, Ravenna area. Um, They're refurbishing uh, Sumo, which is like a historic place where like Grand Funk Road and like James King used to record. And the dude who owned Somewhere um acquired it but at the time when they were just somewhere was their main kind of thing we had been offered a tour of their studios by um teddy eisenberg who was doing like the 59 sound which is no longer a thing and now runs the type um the eisenberg review yeah the eisenberg review and uh he's just a great radio host and just music aficionado and uh yeah he had just offered us like a tour of this place and we went and showed up and i think it was us three who went initially and um, 
we were just kind of like blown away by just like the general vibe of the place and it was like wow like this is really cool and then just vibing with dave who's gonna end up being our engineer on the project and dave just seemed very like lax and being like yo like you guys have a sound i just want to capture it and we're just like sweet you know like because i feel like we all have a very specific idea of what we want to come out of things and dave was very just like catering to our sound versus like being like impositional and like just beautiful you know because and then uh he just ended up just doing such a phenomenal job and i highly recommend anyone who wants to just have a professional sound mixed up and engineer it even like his engineering was just honestly what sold the sesh he just like really knew what he what we wanted without us really knowing what we wanted like mic wise and sound wise and how to work the room and how to patch us in and doing all this like awesome compression and eq work and he was just absolutely excellent to work with and very just like if we needed an opinion he gave it to us and if we didn't he didn't and it was just it was it was very uh very transparent very transparent experience working with the dudes out of somewhere and stuff like that what, what was the guy's name david allen shaw david allen shaw yeah great guitar player too gonna write that one down so do you guys normally write? You said this was different because it was normal, like you guys were writing as a group. Has it usually just been like one person comes up with one song or? I, I, so, yeah, yeah it, it's usually someone comes with the skeleton and then directs the, the general imagery of the tune. And then the second album was more so, of a, well, the first album was pretty much primarily Ryan here. He just like wrote like the second wrote, the like second album. What's not the second album? Still primarily me, yeah. but but definitely more of them too. A lot, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Collab, there's a lot more collaborative. Writing yeah, yeah. In the in the second album. That's Sorry, yeah. And that's where and the first one was like like very just like straight up, just like here are the tunes, yeah, you know, play them, blah blah this and that. The second one was kind of like, all right, here are the tunes in practice. Now let's arrange these together let's come up with these parts that are transferable. There's a lot of like transitions and stuff that we found together versus like someone kind of coming in with like a clear bare bones, like straight up, like here's what this is and all this and stuff and that like that. But uh, we got Tony writing now too. Yeah. Tony's working on some stuff like future. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I see doing this third album um, will probably be primarily them, you know, um, I'm kind of see it more collaborative. Yeah, yeah. I, we've like so we we actually just wrote this tune. It's called "Gentle to Conceive," um, and there there's elements that literally each of us have added. Um, it was a tune I think started by uh, like a practice with me, Nolan, and Tony, and and like we only got so far. Like it, I mean, like it was just like you know a con- conception, and. Um, Eventually, like, you know, we just started kind of incorporating it with, you know, obviously Nick. I forget why he wasn't there that day. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sleeping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, (laughs) But as as soon as, like, you know, Nick's really good at just, like, kind of, like, spatial reasoning. And, like, kind of, like, he can, you know, really kind of put the puzzle together. Um, So once he was added, you know, it added more clarity to the overall tonality of the song and allowed us to like kind of get another minute and a half, two minutes out of the song, you know, thus creating almost the end result. 
Um, no one's, you know, he has um, a way with conceptual words. And uh, <laughs> we added the lyrics and um, it kind of just like, you know, he's very imaginative and offers some great imagery and um, flow, most of all. Um, so it's like really a ethereal tune. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it like any further. And I know what you're thinking, like, God damn it. Like every fucking song of y'all's are like fucking visceral. And then <laughs> no, every, I, that. I know, uh, but this one's just like a little more, um, smooth, I'd say. Sweet. Yeah. Speaking of flow, I feel like you guys have the best hair, like facial <laughs> and otherwise. Hey, thanks. You too. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to shave my head. After my wedding, that's the only thing I'm trying to do. Prominent beard, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a, you know, Jack. You look good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I came here for the compliments. Talk about Marley Curly Wonder over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You guys just got it tied back like he's trying to be all fucking squeamish and humble, yeah. but we know he's got the yeah. daddy. Dude, I, I saw somebody who looked like Mario the other day on a motorcycle, and I was. Like ninety percent sure that Mario was riding around Columbus on a motorcycle, like unbeknownst uh, to the scene. That's <laughs> just cool. Like, just getting himself into like trouble or being yeah, kick ass. Secret. Yeah, I don't want people to think I'm cool. So what you say again? Uh, Mario doubled me on a bird once. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Like the scooters. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, you know, sort of like <laughs> he near far yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, right. Six feet. Six feet. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. He picked me up like an Uber driver. I was at Lido's. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to sleep over Mario's. And uh, I was like, I'm here. Like, you know, get on. And he's like, you got to push it a little bit and then just hop on. And, you know, of course, we get on the, the damn thing. And uh, all these people are hollering at us, as they should be, you know, because. Uh, you guys are too cute. Yeah, yeah. I was like, get off that shit. Ride a bike. <laughs> Ride a bike like an American. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but that's one of my fondest memories. That's a beautiful night. Absolutely. You remember that, Mario? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> All, right. All right. Just making sure. Yeah, there's a, uh, I'm actually considering cutting my hair fairly short. What? I don't know if I should. I don't think I should. Um, but yesterday, it all grows back. That's true. It does. Dude, mine takes like Norby's. I mean, mine I takes like totally rock like Norby's hairstyle. Yeah, mine just takes so long to grow. But really? and I love having it long. But uh, yesterday, uh, I really wanted to get a couple inches cut off because it's like really long. I wanted to get it trimmed up, um, and I didn't want to like go somewhere and pay somebody because I'm lazy and whatever. But um, Chloe from Snarls <laughs> was like, oh, yeah, I'll just trim your hair for you. And I was like, cool, fuck it. I'll, yeah, cool. So we hung out yesterday and she like pulled my hair up. She's like, all right, like we're going to cut it. Like, how long do you want it? And I said around my shoulders. So the first cut she took was like the back of my hair at the very bottom. And she just cut it at my shoulder. But it's like this long now. <laughs> She just cut He's it holding like up way, a short amount. She cut it like way too short. Is basically is the point of this story. So like there's there's yeah. one piece of my hair in the back at the bottom that's like three inches long, 
and the hair like behind it covers it, but it's not even long enough to pull into a ponytail. So today I had to put like bobby pins in to keep it up because it didn't reach the. <laughs> I hate that, dude. So so I'm like, I either have to let it grow back until it reaches, or I just need to cut my hair. If you cut your hair, I think people are going to start to get us confused again. They like, already do. They're going to be like, wait, which, which, which one absurd. are you? Right, right. The guitar player? Yeah. Oh, people what? ask me to borrow my drums all the time, and I'm like, I don't know. I just sometimes say no. <laughs> I don't even tell them I don't play drums. I'm just like, nah. I don't do that. Fucker. Yeah, you yeah, should have been professional and brought your own, and then I leave. There yeah. was a there was a show. Do you guys run into that a lot? People trying to use Tony's kit. He he he. He's like, honestly, he thrives on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he thrives so on using his kit because he loves showing up like at load in. Yeah, like we said earlier. Just, yeah, just... he's like a cuckold. <laughs> he likes <laughs> he likes seeing people play his drums. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he because he has two opportunities to make sure they sound good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let me. Let, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a couple. First off, <laughs> Ryan's like, I gotta say this because I'm here to kink shame. Yeah, man. Yeah, couple life is the life for me. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> do it. Do what you want. Like, cut me up. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh. People, <laughs> this is my thing. I really like when people drive my car. Okay. Likewise, is, you know, it's weird. I like dude. Likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when people drive my truck, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know. It's like, oh, is that how I look in my car? But are yeah. you sitting in the passenger seat or are you watching from outside your car? Oh, no. Yo, take it around the block. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah, it around absolutely. the block. I'm going to stay right here. Yeah. I'm going to see you pull up with that grin out of your face. I'm going to stand in the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> I think you guys might be from better neighborhoods than I'm from because if somebody took my car for a little drive, I don't know if they'd be coming back with it. Well, there are yeah. drivers. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not like, yeah. Hey, passerby, where's right, my right. keys? Yeah. <laughs> you look like an upstanding citizen. Why don't you drive my car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no, it's not weird to drive my car. It provides me sexual pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> they roll up and you got I'm your. I'm letting you drive my car. It's not weird that you're driving my car. Right. Jesus I, Christ. I like being in the passenger seat of my own car while somebody else drives because it feels. Okay. It feels like a new experience. Like, oh, is this what other people experience in my car? It's honestly really fun when you're just this drunk and your friend has to drive. Oh, yeah. Car. And you're just like, Whoa. oh, yeah. Sippy time? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is my uh, cranberry lime sparkler from Giant Eagle. Oh, that, that's some Japanese whiskey. Yeah, we had some, yeah. some Naka straight from the barrel. I'm Where's drunk. that from? Where'd you get it? Uh, Giant Eagle. <laughs> Giant Eagle. Giant Eagle, give us that money, please. <laughs> Dude, Giant Eagle, please give me some money back because this whiskey was not cheap. <laughs> I don't have a sophisticated enough palate to enjoy whiskey. I'm not even <laughs> I feel like every time I drink whiskey, I'm like, Ugh, it tastes like wood barrels. I don't like it. Dude, you just gotta, you just gotta get your tongue wet. You don't actually sip it. You just get your tongue wet, and then it's the most enjoyable experience. Jack. But Jack just drinks like apple juice. <laughs> I drink hey, like Jack apple is, juice. Jack Jack has Jack has the palate of a of a four year old. <laughs> you guys drink alcohol. Oh yeah, I drink alcohol, but I also like to put apple juice in whatever alcohol I'm drinking. 
Oh, it's moonshine season, you know. Did I drink a brass monkey the other day? Which, oh yeah. You don't know what a brass monkey is. It's a old Beast Boys recipe where you take half of a warm forty that you're halfway drinking, so it's warm by now, and you fill the rest up with orange juice, and it's just so so tasty and by the time you're drinking it you're already buzzed so it helps with the fact that you're drinking beer mixed with orange juice like lukewarm but uh it's just great and then you put on the song brass monkey which is that funky monkey uh, yeah it's a funky monkey you know brass monkey my friend tried to put i don't remember why we thought this was a good idea but he tried to put maple syrup in a 40 or no not maple syrup sorry chocolate like hershey syrup into a 40 Oh, yeah. I was going to say maple syrup sounds thick in a 40, but chocolate syrup, I have to fundamentally disagree with. Yeah, it wasn't good. And <laughs> it was a real bad mistake. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't like chocolate syrup. It was like a Yoo-Hoo into a 40. And uh, oh, I, think, wait. I think everybody puked. <laughs> well, as long as everyone puked. No one was left out, right? No, nah, nobody was left out. We're all about inclusivity here. You might be, but uh, I don't know if Mario is. Mario, you're about exclusivity? I didn't say that. I did on behalf of Mario. <laughs> to try to goat him into saying some... Let this be on the record. <laughs> Mario My... loves pickup trucks. What's wrong with pickup trucks? I don't know. He said that he likes it when somebody else drives his pickup truck, so you like him too. I'm actually driving my uh, my girlfriend's uh, 1984 Ford Ranger right now. So clean. And oh, oh, such man. A nice she's driving my car, and um, I've had it for two days now. I think I'm going to ask her to take it out, you know, for another two days. And I just love this truck. Yeah, straight up. It has two gas tanks, uh, like a reserve, you know, like if you run out of gas. One for farts and yeah. one for <laughs> Yeah, gas. yeah, right. And... Um, you know, just a transistor radio, 98.5, you know. That's our rock and roll classic station here. You know, last I heard, Cobra was rolling down the road. Right. Trucking, baby. Trucking, <laughs> yeah. Loosen his load. Right, right. <laughs> Kevin yeah. on his mind. <laughs> Trying to loosen my load. And it was a girl, my lord, in, in a, a flatbed for Trying to get <laughs> they're tickling a kitty that's the that is the coolest cat that cat looks super okay with that great a she's got an eighth note for a nose i gotta i have to prove it so i just want to ask what kind of gear you guys are using because i know that you are all into the sg and he's a fender jazz bass I'm trying to get rid of my SG, so why SGs? You know, Ryan was the first man to wield that kind of battle axe. If I'm not mistaken, it was his first electric guitar. Yeah, he was a Leslie boy. And I had a Les Paul, which I loved, but... Do you still have that? No, I sold that. You sold the Leslie? Yeah. Um, That fucker, I loved it, but it was just a little too heavy for me. Just and a little. Those are so heavy. Yeah. And uh, like sitting around playing, you know, even if it's like unplugged or something, just in your lap, it would always fall off. So um, 
Ryan some years ago actually let me borrow his SG for a while and just like tried out and I enjoyed like the body shape of it and whatnot. And just on a whim, I was like, fuck it, I'll get one. Uh, there's a store in the east side that, you know, you can do like financing and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, I'll just get an SG. I ended up growing partial to that one over the last Paul. And I don't want to have a bunch of guitars. It's like, I just, I feel bad when they're kind of laying around collecting dust or getting neglected. So um, I love the SG, but this man, I'll let him take the mic. We, you know, it's, it's funny. Like uh, our, both our SGs are drastically different. Um, so despite like, you know, like, yeah, having identical guitars, they're not the same whatsoever. Our tones are just inherently different. Uh, he rocks a solid state amp. That's about, you know, 12 inches by 12 inches. And I have a Fender Deluxe. Um, so right there, you know, like that's the biggest thing, I guess. But um, his is a reissue, um, 62, 61, 61. And, um, mine's just a 2010. I bought it blindly. Honestly, it was, uh, like he said, my first guitar, I went into guitar center and it was the first year that they were like, uh, offering the, the Gibson, like special faded SGs. And it was like cheap. It was $800. And I remember I got like a tax return that year for like $600 or something. So I actually put the guitar on layaway and it took me like about a month um, to come up with that like last $200 because I mean, I was just broke back then. Um, and uh, I bought the guitar. It never stayed in tune, tune excuse me. Um, always slouched when I was playing it. And uh, I very quickly decided that I just hated that guitar. So um, <laughs> I started playing a, a, you know, like you, Jay, yeah. Um, That's my problem. It doesn't fucking stay in tune, like, at up. all. Yeah. Um, I've, like, I've gotten it worked on since, and, um, and it was great. Or it, it works now. It's a little more, you know, it stays in tune a little better. Um, but for the longest time, I was a Strat player. And, um, you know, not to like regress or uh you know like so when we first started the band and we were a trio and it was just me nolan and tony and nolan was on bass i think at this time i was still playing a strat um but to fill out the sound like i knew that i had this like bunk ass sg like lying around which was my first guitar and um so we decided to try it out it was like holy smokes like this this guitar really like you know provides the the robust sound that we're looking for to fill out, you know, the space, the empty space that like, you know, having a trio often, you know, succumbs to. And so ever since then I've been playing it and uh, <clears throat> then Nolan got his, hell, they look cool together, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh we've been SG fan since. Um, I also have another SG too. And it's a, a Gibson Firebrand. It's like a 1981. Um, and it's real sweet. Is that the first one? That one's it sweet. Is, yeah, yeah. I love it. I need to get it's a, a little heavier. Yeah, it is a little heavier. It has the finish and whatnot. Um, you know, it's pretty nice. But even back then, it was still the consumer level, you know, guitar for Gibson. Um, it was almost like the AMF Harley of the 80s, if you, you know, or like the... A reference I don't understand at all. AMF, AMF like uh, started producing like or bought Harley like te uh, temporarily like in the 80s and AMF is like you know they make like 
they're just like a manufacturing company. They make a lot of different things. Like they even have like um, the little sea ball that your bowling ball comes back in. You know, people have seen like it, it, they just do so much shit. Uh, it's like Kawasaki, Su- yeah, yeah, exactly Suzuki. But anyway, so the quality went down um, for Harley at that time, um, and you know, diehards were pissed. Um, I don't know how like Harley or Davidson reacquired Harley Davidson, um, but yeah, whatever. That's a side story. Um, I think it's more like they brought him back on versus like a reacquisition. You sure? Pretty sure. Because I don't know, I'm just, I, I'm curious. I don't know, like, AMF would still probably want their name on their parties, and I don't know if, like, uh, it's worth looking into. Listen to him. Uh, it. Doing it, just Google it, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so, yeah, that's the story of the SGs. They're great guitars now. Once you kind of wrangle them a bit, you know, get them worked on, get new frets for them, polish them daily, um, get a nice strap. <laughs> and yeah. uh you know they should work out you can swing them around a bit they're light as a feather yeah and uh again you know they look cool i will say straight up gibson when it comes to tone they just got that shit fucking down packed true vendor intonation is just like untouchable and, and it's weird to say because like strats are very like uh tenuous instruments when it comes to like keeping in tune and stuff like that because of like the way like the wedding bar system works and like the individual saddles and stuff like that but i'll say like i mean i do all my own setups on my jazz bass and like i hardly ever have to reference tune that thing like it just stays in tune and it's a mexi too it's not even american made it's just like i feel like just like their their tuner systems like their bridge setup is just so well thought out Whereas like Gibson is very well thought out in terms of tone, and I all stand by it. Like I mean, we were on tour in Chicago, and I went to CME, like Chicago Music Exchange, and I played one of those old SGs with like the, the fucking um, the, the whammy bar that goes up and down, not like back and forth. Exactly, yeah, straight up. And I was just like, yo, like this is like the guitar tone I want. But and then I went downstairs and I played an EB three, and I was like, this sounds like shit. <laughs> well, it looks so cool, but like I'm like yeah. it sounds like shit, you know. It's like great. It's shaped like an SG. Good, <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, straight up. Yeah. I was just like, oh sweet, and I even found one with flat lines on it. And it's like every time I ever go into a fucking music shop, every bass has round lines on it. I'm like, why? Like why? Like why does every bass have round lines? Like we're not, you know, like you can have flat lines on your bass for like a, like a decade. And never change them. Yeah, I was gonna say like endlessly. Like I used to like upkeep it, and I was just like, all right, I'm gonna change my strings up, like all this shit, all that kind of stuff. And then I read a thing where it's just like someone was just like, yeah, I honestly like bought this pair of flat ones, and I just wanted to see how dead I could make them. And then I just kept going in with it, and I have like a, I have a fucking bass cap with a tweeter in it, and it's like you don't need new strings. Yeah, <laughs> like you got a tweeter, it's you're good. Yeah. Like there's all the high end you need. It's even more so too much high end. Like tweeters are kind of like detrimental in certain applications. And when you're in rock, that can be a bit of a detrimental application. But when you're playing the jazz and stuff, sure, I'll put that bitch up to 12 and I'll fucking crank into it. You know, you're playing breeze and you skate rolling on it. But like <laughs> fucking, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely like, it's, it's two different beasts. Like, and 
I feel like bass is just like you it's very definitive in tone like you've got to really find like your bag and like what you want to do harmonically because there's so many harmonic qualities to a bass that stick out to like the listener's ear whereas like guitar is kind of like it's very ambiguous and it's like it's very definitive at the same time like you know like really defining the melody it's really what catches the listener's ear but with bass like with that ambiguity of just being able to set like the inversion of the chord you know instead of you know you're playing the seventh instead of the root you're playing the fifth instead of the root on the downbeat and stuff like that it's just like the tone of that can be way different with a round wound where it's very just like come like here's the note that i'm fucking playing and you're playing a flat wound it's just like a bit more of a fade in to the note and i've just always been very akin to that sound because i like to be covert when i play even though i like to kind of like be extraneous with my ideas i like to be as covert as possible where it's like it's not heard it's felt and that's what it's just like yeah flat wound string you know where it's like around on string you're like you know if you're playing the red hot chili peppers it's good for you <laughs> it's like where i'm going for playing like do you see the fucking you know milestones it's like you gotta have that ability to kill yourself and with a round round string you kind of have that treble always there and it's very hard to kill that treble because yeah. of the round round string kind of like vibrate especially in sliding like the string noise where you get like that rip rip like fuck that shit. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I want my transference of notes to just be unnoticeable. I've been on a like the lightest strings you can get kick for the no, last like I year. The other day, dude. No I've been, I've been a heavy cat. <laughs> yeah. No. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. What do you think about them, Jack? <laughs> what, what do I think about what? The light lighter gauge. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> I have always, well, I don't know. I just like kind of was playing tens my whole life. And then like maybe two years ago, I was like, okay, let's see what a nine set's about. Like, I don't understand why 10 just kind of became the average one day. Like I was like, let me see if lighter strings are a little bit easier. And I got a nine to 46 set, which is like slightly lighter top, normal bottom. And that was working well. And I was like, well, I mean... I don't really pick that hard. So like, let's see if I can go another size down. And I went to straight nines and I was like, I just was like, yes, this is the, I like the sound. I like this. Let's try and go even thinner. And then I, I have eights on my semi hollow. No way. And I think one of the things that a lot of people start to do with their tone, which is like, they get the guitar with some tens or 11s on it. They're like fat tones from these fat ass strings, bro. And then they immediately like, put their guitar through a tube screamer which shoves off the low end and peaks the mids and i was like you can kind of get that same effect from just lighter strings so Mm. also they are way easier to play i don't like working that hard i play hours every day i'm not trying to like work hard would you say um they're uh more fragile no not at all is it it depending on pick attack though like if you're really cranking into them like you're probably going to crack it in a if you're if you're Mario and your playing technique is beating the shit out of your guitar, you'd probably break them. My but Jack, I feel my like thinking, the way my thinking the way is like a, a, the thicker string is going to be pulled way more tight, like way more tension on it, and that yeah. to me is more likely to break than something that's like 
kind of like a loose spaghetti noodle. Got play. It's got play to it. Yeah. yeah. That play, I tried a set of sevens once, and that play is way too much because really? when you like start to chug into it, the fr- the sound kind of goes wow wow, and I was like, okay, that's too light. Dude, I, I'm predominantly like a guitar player. Like I've I've been playing for like probably like, I think like music for like 12 years. I started on guitar. I've been playing bass for about four, and um, like I was playing. When I like I, when I switched to bass, I was just like only bass. Like I just like really want to fucking learn how to play this instrument, and then just like focus down on like what is bass. I'm not gonna play bass like a guitar player. And then like after a year, I picked up like my strap for the first time, and I had like nines on it, and I went to go just like bend, and I was just like, <laughs> oh fuck, dude! Like all right. I'm going to buy some like tens, like maybe I think I ended up buying 11s for it. And I was just like, I put them on my strat. It ended up throwing my strat like so out of fucking intonation just because I had it so hard. And I also like have my strat to where like, I don't even use a whammy bar. I just like crank my springs to where it just holds it to the fucking board. And that, that was that. And I was just like, all right. And then I switched my acoustic to 13, like bluegrass strings. Oh, and I recently just yeah, got no this- way. Never. Yeah, no, it was the worst decision I ever made in my life, but they're still on it. And I, I've tracked, like, many a tune on that. And fucking, uh, I actually just got acoustic strings from uh, Nolan's provider, John Pierce. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait to put them on and just, like, not have bluegrass strings on my fucking guitar anymore and not have to work. Because now I just like, all right, actually, it's just control. You're playing a different instrument. But like when I initially like picked up my strap for the first time after playing just exclusively bass for a year, and I went to just go do that one fucking ha- like full step bend, it was just like all the way up to the fourth, and I was just like, "Oh, you need fucking thicker strings." Mm-hmm. Now I just know just hold back and maybe make it easier on my hands. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm not the world's hardest picker, so I don't like. Uh, yeah, I'm not the world's hardest picker. Yeah, I was going to say the way you play guitar, the way these guys play guitar, the way I play guitar, I feel like vastly different worlds. Well, you've never seen no Oregon Space Trail Jazz, though. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe's got a light. Kobe's got a light right now. I, I, I feel like he's a lot of really good control of his dynamics. Yeah. That's like one thing that I've always like, commended you on, really a phenomenal pick attack. Just yeah. pick in general, just like, I feel like everyone's always like, oh look at all those notes he's playing with you know look at his right hand yeah or if you're a left hand guitar player with his left hand but yeah know, <laughs> straight up it's just like it's just like that's one of the most impressive things to me is because like the rhythm of it all comes from there and the rhythm is what yeah. me personally my my opinion is what makes it too is like if yeah. you got fucking great rhythm on your picking hand like you can do no wrong you can play the same note over and over again Sweet. Well, that's what I do, so that explains why you like Hydra. Well, you're also, you're also handsome. Yeah, mostly you're handsome. Yeah. <laughs> if I was, if I was, if I was ugly, my band would suck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No, I'd go out and see you live, but I can't stand looking at you. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jack. I really think you'd like uh, Oregon Space Trail Jazz, judging by what you post on Jack with guitar. You gotta sit in. Yeah. Dudes, I will. I will definitely set in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, I saw you did Blue Monk and um, 
what was a uh, blue bossa? Was it blue bossa? No, it was just it was just blue monk. Blue monk, okay. And then oh, sh- and there was something else, but I forgot. I made those lessons for one of my guitar students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. We did Bags Groove, which kind of has a similar form to blue monk, which is like just jazz blues. Jazz That's- blues and those like two. F- those two five ones and those like five of fives. We do it. We do a one six two five at the end. And uh, well, we do a two five and then a one six two five. And honestly, straight up, you know, I was just listening to that tune, um, and you know, it's like all the all the people that are just soloing over that. I've never really like you know. I mean, this is a blanket statement, but for the specific version that I was listening to. They were just ripping, you know, the songs in F, they were just ripping F like blues scale. And I was like, Jesus, y'all aren't even playing the changes. I'll take it though, because that'd be easier. And I can't play those changes. I'm not going to admit that, you know? That was uh, my advice to my student was like, don't play these freaking changes. Just rip the the fucking blues scale. Yeah, we'll see how far that gets you. And then once he gets a bit more advanced, then it's like, okay, well, here's some more avenues. Um, yeah this she's like just starting out like playing jazz and stuff and i'm like no there's ways to get around all this hard stuff (laughs) dude i was literally watching um i've been like really in like a youtube hole of just like weird theory breakdowns by like random fucking youtube influencers and shit like that and no one like walked in on one and i was watching this video breakdown of like um just one note solos from like the forties and fifties, like blues eras, like where they were doing like big band shit, like one, four, five, where some dude would literally just be like, and like all the, like the blues form would change behind it, but he would just be doing all this cool rhythmic shit. I'm like, why is that so hip? Like, it's so fucking sweet. But like, at the same time, it's just like, you could be doing a lot more, but at the same time, before this comes out, I'm stealing that idea. I'm going to have a one note solo on a record bef- Dude, in, in no, a couple of days. It's like, yo, just displace, man. They like, hit on the and, hit on the uh, like, let's go. Like, it's so sweet. I mean, there's been entire tunes based off a one note. One note samba. One note samba. C-Jam Blues, uh, you know, is pretty much one note. It it's all about the harmonic quality of the tune. And that's what is, like, really cool to me. It's like, I've always been a rhythmic and harmonic player, like, if you want me to come up with a melody, you're asking the wrong fucking guy. But like, I will fucking, I will backscore all the shit out of whatever the fuck you want to come up with. But it's like, when someone's just like rocking one note and it's just like chord changes, I'm like, that's so fucking cool. I don't know why it's so cool, but it's so fucking cool. I'm going to play the wrong note though. Yeah. No, so long that it becomes the There's no wrong note. notes. It's, yeah. yeah. Just diminish fifth, the whole tune, major key. My whole performing live, every time I play a wrong note, the time we come back to it, I'm trying to like remember which note I played wrong to be like, all right, let's do that again and make it seem right. I just, I heard that bullshit saying like, a good musician makes a mistake, a great musician makes it twice. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try that. I want to be great. I've straight up, I've, I've used that logic before in a solo where it's just like, Oh, I fucked up real bad there. But if I do it twice, it seems intentional and it seems cool. So it's just like, all right, sweet. It kind of does seem intentional if you just keep fucking yeah. up the same way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I am not a jazz person, like really in any way, shape or form. 
but I want to play with Oregon Space Trail Jazz. Yeah, you should come sit in with I us. Want- Dude, just show I up. would I would love to talk I would love to get together with you, Jack. And did you go to school for music? Yeah, I did. I did. Did you really? Yeah. I would love to like just pick your brain and really talk about theory um with you in specific because uh you know for that very simple fact. Um, you know, like you can learn a lot like on the internet. And like I, I've noticed as like a more educated like or former student that sometimes some of the things on the internet are bunk. Like, you know, you find yourself in a forum or like say Reddit and it's like this opinionated version, but it's always a subsidiary or a divergence of something that, you know, is by law technically like, you know, valid music theory. Um, A lot of music theory doesn't work outside of like the classical realm though. So if you're just like trying to play like J, like, well, no, I, I understand by that. Um, but that's not true, man. I mean, like, you know, like classical theory is pretty simple. You know, five to one, one to five. Release and, you know, you can still use those same principles, say, in jazz theory. But jazz theory is a completely different ballgame. And jazz theory is more applicable and has influenced so many types of musics from R&B to Motown to swing to everything. So, you know, like, I would say that, like, jazz theory is the most important thing to learn if you want to diversify your palette. Um, And if you look at, like, you know, the, like, a web of influence, you know, I'd say that it all starts from there. And the blues, obviously, the blues came before jazz, but um, the blues, I think, are limited to me. I like the thing about blues and jazz that where you can, like, play, like, a... A chromatic line yeah and like that's the magic in it like that that's, took me a long time to even figure out where to put those chromatic notes yeah i mean if you use it right so it depends on the harmonic quality of the chord that you're using those notes over you're not gonna like want to like nick you know like you could use a diminished fifth you, you wouldn't play a major seventh over a dominant seventh chord. Like, say, if you did a harmonic run, you're in G. And then you hit that major seventh, it's not going to sound good. You you have, like, literally four notes that you could really kind of juice it up with. And that's the first, third, fifth, and dominant seventh. Yo, I bet that major seventh is going to sound unreal if you just walk up next time. Take, take, remember that. Play that, play that F sharp next time. Code it. Yeah, it's like because that dominant seventh is one of the probably aside from the major third, it's the most important defining characteristic of the tonality yeah, of that chord. Defining chord. Yeah. yeah. Uh, aside from the tonic, of course, but like you know, it's like <clears throat> yeah, seventh third. Those are the butter notes, yeah. as Herbie would say, the seventh yeah. and third. Don't play the butter notes. Don't Which, play the butter notes. If you don't play the butter notes. That's what Miles said to Herbie. It's, he was on stage uh, one time and he was just like, I'm in a rut. And Miles walked over to him and said, don't play the butter notes. And then Herbie just didn't play any thirds or sevenths in any of his solos for the rest of the song. Because he's like, those are the defining notes on the chord. You can play the root all you want. The third defines whether it's major or minor. You know, seventh defines whether it's dominant or if it's going to be that weird, like, off-putting major seventh feel to it. I literally just like, Watch Herbie speak on this like two hours ago, and it's just like it's very, very, very eye-opening when it comes to like I feel like I like me personally. I feel like I'm not like the best soloist, and hearing things like that, where it's just like 
all right, different approaches. How do I take this? Because I'm someone who relies primarily off of fifths and fourths when I play. It's like, I really like just bouncing fifths because like fifths are the most satisfying thing to a human ear. You know, just like, you just get that. It's the power of four. No. It's just like, here you go. You know, I mean, like, like straight up, like you play a fifth, it just, like, it sits, you have no defining factor to the core. It's just like, it's a right, perfect interval. Over this. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that. And it's just like, to me, it's just like, that's fucking, that's cool. But like, trying to keep. You see it a lot in pop songs too. And there's actually like a science behind the do so, like that perfect fit um, that like you hear like in the, like, you know, all those dumbass songs that are like pop hits. You know what I'm talking about, Mario? Yo, I love pop music. Yeah, music's great. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm, dude, I love pop music. I love like Drake and yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I yeah, I love say, that shit. Absolutely, pop music as a whole is best. I'm talking about the science of what makes like a song like I, just pop. Music. I don't know, like why it would be popular. Pop music and, now has like not done anything that interesting in terms of like adding notes but they're trying to tell you a story using like the fewest possible notes using like the fewest possible stuff yeah it's so cool and yeah it's all right i mean like i again like you know i'm i'm lousy fair with like pop music there's some pop artists i like and some pop artists i i don't like and there's some jazz artists i like and there's some jazz artists i don't like there's some country artists I like, and there's some country artists I don't like. That's but, but um, you know, with, um, you know, like there is like, you know, a very specific reason, which uh, why all these songs that you hear, like that are in vogue, so I, sound slightly similar to each other. And, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with intervals and that specific one with the one to the fifth and not just like result, like a resolution. Like, you know, how we spoke about in classical music, the five to one, it, five, it's melody based. Five to one is the musical equivalent of shut up. Like, that's no, what it, it is. If yeah, you get yeah. five ones, you're, you're getting told to shut up, you know? It's equivalent to shutting the door after you've left. Yeah. And I've a lot of music that's, like, popular right now is just chilling on some either major or minor pentatonic scale. Yeah. And the good pop music sounds, like, m- melodious and the bad pop music sounds to me like na 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 na, like schoolyard <laughs> yeah, what, like what, chants. What's a pop song that you like besides Drake? Oh, now I'm being put on the spot. But what's that one you were playing at practice the other day? What was the one I was playing at practice the other day? Shit, I was probably playing some like Whitney Houston at practice. No, you played something on guitar. I, I hope it was Drake. <laughs> it wasn't Drake. It was a. Uh... It was like a female I, pop artist. Everything I just said was based off contemporary pop music. Oh, you know what? It was Dua Lipa. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was Dua was. Lipa. It was um, Cool by Dua Lipa. And she's using all these ninth extensions on these chords. Yeah. And I was like, this is such a cool thing. And I like learned the sort of background part. And though it's like very major, minor, and like adding ninths to these chords. So that was kind of dense for pop, like modern pop music. But like yeah. a lot of Dua Lipa stuff is just her singing like a major or minor pentatonic scale. Hey man, if you're looking for dense chord progressions in pop music, look no further than rap. 
because people like Tyler, the creator, people like ASAP Rocky and all the people who are producing them, they all are either inadvertently or purposely putting together, especially for Kendrick, because he's got people like Thundercat and Kamasi producing for him. Like they are just putting together these progressions and these chordal structures that are just absolutely fucking wild. And then people like Kendrick Lamar are literally blowing like a saxophone solo over lyrics over them. And it's just absolutely fucking insane. And like, I feel like a lot of like rap music nowadays, especially like the people who are topping the charts, aside from like, I feel like uh, like mumble rap and trap rap nowadays is kind of like the punk rocker music where it's just kind of like, this shouldn't be cool, but it is cool. But like people like it because of the attitude. Like, that's pretty much what that is. But then like the people who are topping like pop charts and shit like that, they got people behind their tracks who are just like, like you said, like really with these ninth extensions and shit like that. Like they have people behind the tracks creating this stuff that's just like out of the out of this fucking world. Like, I mean, you get fucking Kamasi Washington's producing to Pimp a Butterfly, which yeah. like Ain't Free, if y'all haven't heard Ain't Free by Kendrick Lamar, that's all live. Like a jazz band plays that and he raps over that like he's fucking John fucking Coltrane. It's so fucking cool. Megan the Stallion so too. It, and uh, it, you know, he brings up a good point. Like, go check out her um, tiny desk. It's insane. She has like a full band and everything, and even they're just so crazy. Yo, when Lizzo was the queen of pop music, she had some fucking unreal tunes. Who? Wait, who? Lizzo. Lizzo. Oh, dude, dude. Lizzo's yeah. Lizzo. Lizzo. Dude, what she's about no name? She's a musician. What about no name? You know, I don't know no name name. Dude, no name's out of New York. She actually has a track with this like deep cut album. If y'all ever listened to Wu Park, which is like this like. I think like an NYU like jazz R&B band that mm-hmm. like dropped this really fucking cool record and uh the last track No Name Raps on and now she's like top tier like one of the best rappers in the game right now working with like Anderson Pack and working with uh like uh, uh what's that Oh called? Anderson Pack that's a good shout out. No, for sure Anderson Pack alone just like that's a dude who knows his fucking music and he's also working it in like making really creative tunes and stuff like that with like uh YB and Corday, like that track he did with him, so sick. He just did a track with fucking uh uh Timbaland that was off the fucking charts. But like no name, she's been working like she went to school for music and she's a rapper and like just like absolutely phenomenal jazz musician and herself as her vocals being her instrument. And just absolutely killing rhythmically, melodically, the way she moves her voice. Just like, I implore you guys to just dive into her stuff because her beats and her lyrics alone, just like, it's it's just so good. It's just so, so fun. I like to talk about music that I like more than just like shitting on people's music. It's so easy to be like a, a musician that's like cynical and it's just like, no, man, the fucking sucks. It has auto tune on it. But like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to not be that anymore. I actually heard a a really cool uh, interview with Charlie Puth, who's like one of the most successful producers of our day and age, has like millions and millions of fucking hits nowadays. Not millions, but hyperbole. But uh, he has perfect pitch, but he can't sing perfectly. And he said the first time he ever heard his voice with autotune on it, he almost cried because it was what he wanted to hear. It was like too beautiful and perfect. 
I used to be like so against it and just like, oh, it's cheating. I'm like, no, dude, like these are tools in the industry now. Like they didn't have it back then. That sucked for them. Now we do. And now we have more avenues to make even more cool music and more inspiring shit because like you have people who don't have the brains of people who went to school. I remember the first time I heard autotune was that Cher song, Do You Believe in Life After Love? And I was like, holy shit. This woman is a robot, and I love it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so fucking good. And you can also use auto-tune in a way that it isn't detectable whatsoever. Yeah, right? Well, boys, thank you for your time. We won't keep you anymore. We'll, we'll let you get back to your cat. Thank you. Um, give us, give us the places that you can be reached at. Uh, just Instagram. look up Oregon Space Rail of Doom on anything. And we're the only thing that will ever come up. LinkedIn, yeah. Gmail, MySpace primarily. Um, MySpace, LinkedIn. Aim. You've been releasing music on Quibi. Yep. Napster. Napster. How sick would it be to be the band that the only social media you have is LinkedIn? We're the most successful band that's ever been on LinkedIn ever. (laughs) That'd be insane. Well, thank you, boys, very much. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. When is this going to air? Probably November. I'll let you know. How long is the segment going to be? It's going to be the whole thing, unless you want me to cut anybody's name out. What time of day? Yeah, probably cut out the the Alex from Power Tool part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'll cut that out. I'll have to find (laughs) that. It's pretty hard to see.